Warning, even our profanity warning has profanity in the motherfucker. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Hymns, Stamps.com, and by The Scathing Atheist Patreon-only Pajama Party live stream this Saturday, June 8th. From 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Games, an Ask Me Anything, magic, juggling, and a musical performance and more because, damn it, you delivered. And now, The Scathing Atheist. All right, this is Denny Gasson, child genius, beholder of all useful knowledge in the universe, and the first human to achieve faster-than-light travel. I went on an adventure, which you can read about in The Pilot, the new novel from David Gamer. Find it on Amazon. It's a good story. You'll like it. I even met God. Turns out he's full of shit. Because despite what he'd like us to think, he knows full well that we did in fact evolve from filthy monkey men. It's June 6th. And it's Atheist Pride Day! Okay, it's a weird month to pick for that, but I'll take yep. it. I'm no illusions. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Eli Bosner. <laughs> I'm Ethan Wright. And from Ariel Versace's New Jersey, <laughs> Cincinnati Swing State, and Good Husband Georgia, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, Joseph Smith copies off Matthew's homework. Keith gets removed from a winery despite being quite certain we were in America. And we'll have to check the use-by date on a few of these headlines. But first, the diatribe. It's amazing how little religious people are willing to whittle God down to when they're trying to sell him to you. See, I've been getting a lot more of this lately. Of course, ever since I started doing the show, I've gotten a steady stream of Christian apologists reaching out to sell me their Jesus. But by and large, they're either all caps Internet trolls or seasoned apologists that know their arguments and have their William Lane Craig approved flow charts. But since I moved back to Georgia, I've had to reacquaint myself with the layman's brick-and-mortar version of the Jesus pitch. And to be fair, I bring it on myself, right? When people ask what I do for a living, and everybody always asks that, I say, I do a podcast about atheism. Now, so far, I've been able to lump every single reaction to this into one of three categories. There's the disappointed, disapproving side glance followed by a rapid subject change. There's the show me on the doll where the priests touch you. I'm really just concerned for your mortal soul. Look how wide my eyes are, folks that have been convinced by Christian movies and stories that all I really need here is to have a good cry about why I'm so angry at God, and then I'll fall back into the open arms of Mother Church. And then finally, there are the let me tell you what I'm going to do for you, folks. These are the folks that are pretty sure they can get me to drive away in this savior today if I don't answer yet. They've spoken with their pastor and gotten special permission to offer me my eternal salvation at a very steep discount, but I got to get it today. And this is what I call whittling away at God, right? If they can't get even the thinnest wedge into the door, they'll settle for a toothpick. Don't like the anti-gay stuff? Well, their pastor is very open-minded about the gays, and when he gives money to anti-LGBT hate groups, he does it very discreetly. 
Don't like the sexism? Well, their church lets women hold high-ranking positions all the way to the top. Theoretically, they just haven't found the right woman yet. Don't like the strict moral codes? Well, don't worry, because if you come to our church and join in our collective delusion once a week, literally no one will give a shit how immoral you are. You can still have blood on your fist from abusing your spouse, and we will all dutifully turn the other cheek so we can't see it. Don't like the wild implausibility of the entire concept of God? Well, don't worry, because our religion comes with a toggle where everything we say can be literal or metaphorical, depending on the situation, even if some of the stuff we say occasionally has to be both. Hell, I had one guy a few months ago try to sell me on his church by telling me that the sermons were really short. Like half an hour max. I mean, if I'm not willing to join their religion for that, I'm the one being unreasonable, ain't I? And I, I mean, I guess I get where they're coming from. You know, a lot of people probably don't go to church because going to church is onerous and boring. Religious people are annoying and judgy. So if you're trying to talk the lapsed Christian back into church, tell them about a church that's quick and easy and still counts is probably pretty effective most of the time. But it's some silly shit when the situation you're trying to rectify is, I don't even believe in your God. But despite the guaranteed misfire undergirding this whole argument, I fucking love it. Because whether they realize it or not, what they're really saying to me is nothing about my religion matters. There is no element of it that these people aren't willing to jettison if it means that you'll agree that Jesus Christ is the one true Lord and Savior, a statement which, once all the theological underpinnings have been jettisoned, is entirely meaningless. And I know this isn't true for all Christians, right? Some of them have really rigorous constructs and kill each other for generations over the smallest deviations. But most of them don't really give a fuck about the specifics. Jesus loves them. They live forever. Bad people go to hell. If you're good on those things, hell, if you're good on the first two, they're good with you. These are the Christians who blame the fundamentalists for giving religion a bad name as though something can have bad fundamentals and deserve a good one. Hell, at their most extreme, they'll tell you the problem isn't with religion. It's with organized religion. Religion is a goddamn system of organization. By definition, all religion is organized. It's self-contradictory, and yet they don't hesitate to toss it out there like it's a distinction that a sane person would recognize. And the goal here, of course, is to whittle down God until he fits comfortably in your pocket, no matter how small your pocket is, only to layer all that harmful bullshit back on later. Or you know what? Or maybe not. Sometimes they're Joel Osteen types that just want your money. Either way, we have a term for a person whose product suddenly turns into whatever it is that you're willing to buy. And the term isn't honest. They're talking about your Jesus. Interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the Cali and Forney to my uh Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick fellas. Are you ready to sit back, relax, and not record headlines this week? I mean, he, he never, never writes, writes, his, writes headlines. his headlines. We write them for we him. We write them for him. But, but I, guess I guess this week he doesn't, he doesn't have, have to read a script, script, so that's, so that's nice. nice. So, yeah, we're in Cali this week <laughs> on a much-needed vacation. Uh, but don't worry, there will be headlines even if we're not going to record them. Over the last few weeks, we've stocked up on a couple of extra headlines that are, well, possibly a little out of date, still pretty damn relevant. So without any noticeable mid-sentence change in audio signatures, we'll take a quick break for a word from our first sponsor this week, Hymns. Oh, I got one. I got one. So this guy is sitting in a bar when he notices there's this teeny tiny man sitting on a teeny tiny grand Whoa, piano. I didn't wish for a 12-inch pianist. Sorry. Sorry. <sighs> Premature ejaculation. It can happen at any time. But now, 
there's help. Guys, guys, this week's ad is for help with premature ejaculation, not ejaculation. Oh. Um, there, there's help for that? Yes. The, yeah, the there is. One? Thanks to forhims.com. No, what's forhims.com? Forhims offers access to physician consultations and prescription treatments online for the common issues men deal with. Wow. Science and talking about dicks. That's like right in our wheelhouse. It actually. really yeah. is. Yeah. They connect you to a doctor online who can evaluate you and help identify the right treatment for you. Best yet, it can be delivered right to your door in discreet packaging. Yeah, but that's got to be super expensive, right? Not at all. Right now, our listeners get a special offer. You can get started for just $10. Just go to forhims.com slash atheist to get started. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash atheist. See website for full details and safety information. Man, I haven't seen an ad this well-placed since Coconuts. We- more like cocoa nuts. Damn it, Heath. Sorry, sorry. I got excited. There's nothing for the other thing, huh? No. A joke. It's a compliment. And now, back to headlines already in progress. And next up in headlines, if you look like a Nazi walrus, you should not be allowed to hold a position of power in the U.S. government. <laughs> okay. Bold. Um, Bold. I think that's fair. Uh, for example, I should not be allowed to hold a position of power in the U.S. government. And, Harsh um, but fair. Harsh but fair. Okay. <laughs> and neither should... National Security Advisor John Bolton. No. Or Attorney General William Barr. Okay. Shaved the mustache, but still looks like a walrus. Or Wilfred Brimley. But yep. most importantly, definitely not Tennessee Judge Jim Lammy, who might be a literal Nazi walrus. <laughs> or maybe human. Either way, not great. Yeah, not great. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to watch Jim Lammy ignore a beach ball for at least a full minute before I'm convinced <laughs> he's not a literal. Nazi walrus. Look at this skinned <laughs> penguin over here, Jim. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't care about that at all, but you should probably leave it in my chamber. <laughs> I thought that was about seals. I thought it was just seals. Okay, you're a Nazi seal. Is that what you're, you're arguing? It's <laughs> a weird argument. Anyway, we recently got uh, all the confirmation we needed that my Nazi walrus rule is amazing. When Judge Lammy went on Facebook and posted a link to an article by notorious Holocaust denier David Cole. Jesus. And the article included the exact words that Jewish people need to quote, finally get the fuck over the Holocaust. And really? exact quote. Wow. I, 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 no, okay. I get it. Tennessee Hillbilly. You know what? You know what killed my granny? Cancer. 8.2 million victims every year. So that's like 1.37 Hitlers a year. You don't hear us whining about it forever, do you? Well, for Jim Lammy, it's more of a more of a warble. And it's that's just during mating season. So, you know, you can't really hold that against him. Yeah. So uh, never say never. Forget. Lovely. So, <laughs> even before Lammy started going on social media and making a public spectacle of his Nazi sympathizing, we already had plenty of evidence that he's a giant bigot. Obvious number one on this list, he got elected by the people of Tennessee. Yeah. And he lives in Tennessee. And he looks like a Nazi walrus. Ooh, we had that. plenty of warning signs. <laughs> but most importantly, he's been forcing jailed immigrants to register themselves with ICE 
before he's willing to ever grant them probation. Wow. And he's not doing this with white Canadian immigrants, if that's what you were thinking. According to a local advocacy group, it's a clear pattern of only doing this with Latino prisoners. Wow. And he's a judge. Like right now, today, while you are listening to this on your way to work, if someone doesn't call that guy your honor today, they're the one who gets in trouble. Think about it. Unreal. Yep. That's all factual. So following the post about the article by the professional Holocaust denier, a local reporter asked Lammy for a quick interview. And Lammy's an idiot. So he was like, (laughs) yeah, great. It's about time I got got some attention about my amazing internet memes. I've been crushing the memes. (laughs) And just for context, the article in question is called Stop with the Golems Already. And it's about how liberal Jewish Americans are helping Muslims infiltrate the United States, which is exactly like when old-timey folklore rabbis use their Jewish magic to create mud monsters that are difficult to control. (laughs) And somewhere in there, the article was like, speaking of mud monsters, Jewish people need to drop it already with this whole Holocaust thing. Fucking relax. Yeah. To be fair to to Lammy, though, when he shared it, he did warn readers that the article had some swear words in it. You know, <laughs> literally, <laughs> really literally. Yeah, he didn't want to offend people hoping for family friendly Nazi propaganda. After all, <laughs> dear Holocaust deniers, language. Come on, signed an actual judge. I'm yes. a judge right now. Uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so, yeah, this reporter. Uh, I guess he was trying to give Lammy an out at some point and said something like, hey, so, you know, uh, like a, a retweet doesn't equal an endorsement. Maybe that's your response. You can say something like that. But Lammy was like, no, I definitely do endorse this. Um, maybe not the Holocaust denier part so much, but uh, a bunch of the other stuff. And then Lammy very literally said, my best friend who's deceased now was Jewish, and I wouldn't do that. Oh, would well, in that case, denier. some of his best friends. He died in the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't deny the Holocaust because of my dead Jewish friend in camp in you guys, Canada. You guys don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, seriously, like, that's why you wouldn't deny the Holocaust? Yeah, right. <laughs> really? Judge with real political power? the fuck are you guys doing down there? This is one of just many reasons that Tennessee can't have nice things. We get it like the right to vote. They can't yeah. have any. Yep. Or senators. If you guys weren't bordered on that side by Georgia, Kentucky, and North Carolina, we give somebody else your fucking mountains to you assholes. Exactly. <laughs> and in a pox on both their houses news tonight. Now, regular listeners to the show might remember Jerome Kunkel, who made national headlines last year for... <laughs> Winning looks most like his last name three years in a row. But you might also remember him for suing the state of Kentucky and losing when they banned unvaccinated kids from school and extracurricular events. You know, because he could fucking kill people. Death. That's, well, that's death. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, guns can kill people. We're not taking any efforts to keep them out of schools. <laughs> he just wants consistency. Kunkel wants consistency, damn it. Oh. That is fair. Now, we should point out that Kunkel and his parents object to the vaccine um, 
because they're stupid. They're stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, they believe the chickenpox vaccine of 2019 is made of the cells of a fetus aborted in 1966. So, <laughs> Noah. They think the chickenpox <laughs> vaccine is made of Noah. I think. All right. Well, at least you have me being born after the invention of vaccines this time. Okay. I'll See, getting closer. Fun. Uh, either way, old news. I know what you're thinking. Except this week, he <laughs> got chicken pies. <laughs> That's right. I'm so happy. At this the is age the of third 18. happiest I've ever been about someone getting chicken pox, right? That's right. At the age of 18, Jerry Kunks has chicken pox, making it substantially more dangerous to his health and the health of those around him. <laughs> just, just injecting himself with egg wash, being like, all right, well, I figure this is the homeopathic vaccine for chicken pox, right? This should do it. Eggs and water and stuff. That said, field correspondent Eli Bosnick confirms that if you connect all the dots on his ass, they do perfectly spell out vaccinate your fucking kids so it's not all bad for him this week he's got a little message there i mean honestly um, you were spending so much time connecting the dots on his ass i'm glad it finally spelled out something for it's you. a good looking boy what can i say gave himself measles to draw a circle with a cross <laughs> through that and in much a doodle do about nothing news tonight if there was ever any doubt that the human rights of chicken sandwiches were more important to Texas lawmakers than the human rights of women, those were put to rest over the last couple of weeks as the San Antonio Airport legislative cockfight over Chick-fil-A's exclusion has continued to dominate local politics into its fourth week now. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, pretty sure the Scopes monkey trial would get decided the same way in 2019 Texas as it did in 1925 Tennessee. Airport chicken! (laughs) Really? You got some weird priorities going. All right, so the story that we covered on the show with apologies for covering such a meaningless news item and then accidentally covered again because I fucked up on the edit the following week. Sorry about that. Heath had to talk me out of Sapuku, but uh, he did. I said we should just run it every week for the rest of our show and never acknowledge it, but I was outvoted. I was outvoted. <laughs> Listener at home. Anyway, so the story began when the San Antonio Chick- uh, City Council removed Chick-fil-A from a list of new restaurants it was approving for the airport, citing the company's long history of anti-LGBT activism. And then Christians freaked out all the way up the political chain to the attorney general and the governor because apparently the First Amendment has some well-known but as of yet unspoken clause about the right to unfettered chicken commerce if you're a bigot on behalf of Jesus. If I can't fly from cut and shoot Texas to jot them down Texas to white settlement Texas, which are real towns, and then back to San Antonio without buying some heterosexual chicken and pickles. I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. See, now I genuinely don't know if those are real cities in Texas. They could uh, My be. guess they is could. that no, they are. Th- those are absolutely real cities in they Texas. They really have Aww. a white settlement Texas. They have a white settlement Texas. Oh they have God. jot them down Texas. Cut and shoot. They have cut and shoot Texas. Yep. <laughs> What was that shorthand? Who was like, uh, you know, what we do a lot of around here. Foreign policy. <laughs> all right. So so after all this, the state House of Representatives gets involved. They, they introduce HB 3172, which would block any city from taking adverse actions against a company that did something objectionable while acting on a sincerely held religious belief. Except 
They're all a bunch of fucking idiots who can't law for shit. So when the bill's sponsor steps up to explain it, one of the Democrats is like, hey, dude, um, did you even cross your T's and dot your I's? <laughs> and they hadn't. No, nope. the guy has to sheepishly admit that they had not, in fact, crossed their T's or dotted their I's. And then that same Democrat is like, okay, you know the deadline for getting all your T's crossed and your I's dotted was last Thursday, right? And then he just stood there for a really long time, I'd like to think. I mean, I don't know what happened. Like, the article didn't go into detail, but I want to hear the audio of that silence. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this was absolutely amazing. This is state rep Julie Johnson, who tricked them all like Bugs Bunny. Um, she calls a point of order, gets a bunch of Republicans to huddle up angrily and like read the inside of the box of the board game. And then while they're doing that, she's like, oh, the sand and a little timer ran out. It's too late. You guys are stupid. <laughs> that, that gavel I gave you was a squeaky hammer. Sorry. Sorry. I just I can't stop. I can't stop. <laughs> All right. So anyway, at that point, the bill seemed like a dead issue. But let's face it. If their own stupidity was enough to take religious people down, we'd be out of a job. <laughs> so a few days later, Republicans in the state Senate took a crack at it and fast tracked it past all the public comments bullshit that tripped up the House version. And honestly, as upset as I want to be about this. I can't help but take a bit of solace from the fact that debating this bill means that they're not publicly arguing about whether it's OK to execute a woman for getting an abortion. Right. So, yeah, pretty low bar. Texas is set there. <sighs> Alabama's digging under it. Watch oh, yeah. This, motherfuckers. No, they are. They are. <laughs> and in female <laughs> orgasms and eternal paradise news, according to a new study, traditional religious couples have the happiest relationships and the best sex lives. Really? The study was conducted. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Hmm. This is very exciting stuff. So. The study was conducted by none of your business, and the raw data they gathered is none of your goddamn business. Footnote, none of your business is a fully owned subsidiary of the Institute for Family Studies, a conservative propaganda group with ties to the Koch brothers and a history of homophobia. Second footnote, the study was conducted in tandem with the Wheatley Institution at Brigham Young University. Oh, okay. So the secret, possibly non-existent data Got a bunch of Mormon on it, too. Yeah, no, it was inscribed in golden plates, but they had to give them back after they did the study. Okay, okay let's. <laughs> how about we conduct our own fucking study? Everybody listening, tell your partner tonight, I'm going to fuck you like a Mormon. And then afterwards, before you fuck them, ask them if they think that's a threat or a promise. Is that a good thing, a Positive. bad thing? scale of one to ten or hey no it may be when you say that you're just initiating your weekly bryce blake and Eagle role play like don't there's a lot mm. of reasons you'd say that explains so, the soup <laughs> so maybe some people are just hungry so here's how they <laughs> arrived at these numbers uh first they decided that the God of the Bible is the all-knowing creator of the universe. And Can't then he gets that. mad when numbers make him look bad. That was <laughs> the first part of the That's science. Any, Step any two of their science, science project <laughs> was putting together a big sample of women and then throwing out anyone who wasn't a heterosexual married woman. And then they asked all the real women that were remaining if they were in a relationship with above average quality. And apparently... Highly religious wives in marriages with old-timey gender roles answered yes about 
73% of the time, uh, which was the highest well, score <laughs> of any group estimating if they were in I'm, an above average I'm quality sorry, relationship. Wait. 73% of their sample was above average. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's literally what they went with. That's, that's the conclusion they, they went it's with. The best. <laughs> That's the, the dumbest if, statistics I've ever heard. If you're religious, all Amazing. nine of you can be the top. <laughs> How much of you would say is half? Don't say a number larger than half. Uh, I was, damn it, S was already wrong. S Three was quarters. Wrong. <laughs> hey, more than half Shit. of them are probably right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> yep, that happened. Um, they also asked... Are you satisfied with your sexual relationship with your partner? Kelly and, and uh, once again, <laughs> the highest scoring group was highly religious women who strongly agreed 48% of the time. <laughs> oh, so, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give it a second. You'll get there, everybody. How terrifying and fucking sad is that? The winning group of married women had less than a 50-50 chance of being sexually satisfied. And, and keep in mind that the bar we're trying to clear is satisfied, right? Like you Just lost before you lost, right? Par. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, sex. That hit the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, to be fair, conservative religious women are way more used to getting that question and that exact wording. So that's not fair. <laughs> there, are you satisfied? <laughs> no, no. Absolutely meh or better. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. Wow. Yeah, and uh, in case you're wondering, no, they did not correct for the inability of religious people to handle uppity data that might contradict their thing or, you know, their inability to understand what average might mean as a thing in between zero and 100. Nor did they correct for those people being goddamn liars or being terrified of speaking honestly about their male owner. Yeah. So I'm assuming the majority of the responses they got from allegedly the happiest group were like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm loving our traditional Christian marriage. We've been doing lots of consensual recently. <laughs> I am a lucky lady. God is love. <sighs> Look how wide my eyes are. Yeah. So wide. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like a baked good? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I made too many again. <laughs> so I guess we learned that ignorance and lying are bliss or or maybe being gay. Maybe, also. yeah. Or maybe being not married. Uh, those are also possibly bliss. I mean, we, we've only got a sample size of one. I would not describe you as blissful. I will say that. Um, Compared to you, would you describe me as blissful? <laughs> yes, I would. Okay. He's above Which average. Two-thirds of us are above <laughs> average when it comes to blissfulness. <laughs> yeah. But again, we have no idea about, you know, whether there's any happiness in being gay or not married because those people don't count. Right, and they didn't obviously. put that yeah. in their data. But that said, Heath and I know a business opportunity when we see one. So hit it, Morgan. Oh, God, no. Hi, I'm Eli Bosnick. And I'm Heath Enright. Do you want to spice up your love life according to science? Are you looking for the scientifically proven secrets to rock your woman's world? Well, then check out the first sex guide written by conservative Christians for conservative Christians. The Sama Sutra, with over 200 Jesus-approved sex positions. Like the literally a missionary position. And pretending not to be gay. And of course, rape. 
The Sama Sutra. Just because you're not going to hell doesn't mean you can't be hot. And in I'm Not a Monster news tonight, a Templeton Foundation-funded survey about atheism was presented at the Vatican this week, and I'll give you a million guesses how this sentence ends. You'll never fucking get it. Hamsters oh. keep eating your teeth while you sleep. Uh, what? No. What? 999,999 guesses to go. Okay, no, you're just no, wasting. No, I, I'll, I'll tell you. The end of the bullshit? sentence. No, it wasn't bullshit is Get the end the, of that oh, sentence. Yeah. I was so close. That's right. No, you weren't. So we'll I, I give was. a lot of money to the scientist that lies the most for Jesus Foundation. Funding something presented at the first international church of you're not going to look in the trunk, are you? And it actually turned out to be kind of useful. <laughs> so the, the researchers for this study spoke with atheists in six different countries, the U.S., the U.K., Brazil, Denmark, China and Japan. And I automatically like the study because they didn't group atheists by people who identified as atheists, but rather as people who said they didn't believe in God. Oh, atheists. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> in fact, the second of their eight key finding was that a fuck ton of atheists identify as Christians. Right. In Denmark, 28 percent of atheists do. The Idiots. third key finding is that the majority of atheists don't self-identify as atheists. Um, now, uh, believe it or not, America actually leads in that category. But even then, only according to their survey, 38 percent of atheists are willing to use the A word. Cool. What are the other people using <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hu humanist or agnostic or rationalist or free thinker or something like that. Okay, humanist. Yeah, all right. Well, I, I mean, I guess it's about whether you want to be in a group with Neil deGrasse Tyson or um, the other group. So, tough call, whether you want to use that A word. Yeah. Do you like music? Do so, you? So the survey <laughs> also debunked the myth of the dogmatic atheist pushing back against the common perception of the overly confident atheist by pointing out that atheists in each country studied were about as or less confident in their beliefs than the religious folks in the same nation. Wouldn't we have to? Like, I, I'm glad <laughs> they figured that out. But how is this fucking complicated? Our entire position is those guys are overly confident about that God thing. That's it. I don't know. I feel like if you had to measure me against the average Christian, I might win. But it also shreds the notion that atheists are purposeless nihilists. The bullshit idea that we're less moral or have no moral code or have a different moral code than other people. All of that debunked. All right. Well, I, I get what they're saying, but just for the record, we do have a different moral code and it's objectively better. It's we we move it. Remember the moral code from 1850? Ours is different now. Ours changed. Well, remember the moral code from zero? Ours is different now. That's well, the great thing. But, 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 from one. So, yeah. But here's the thing, though, is, <laughs> is that so has theirs, right? When you take religion out of it and you ask the questions just based on morals, we all answer the same. Their moral code and our moral code are the same unless you inject the Bible in there. And then they're like, oh, right. Yeah. Also, fuck the gays. Right. The book means a new thing now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So and that's what they do over and over again. So, yeah, these researchers stood at child rape cover up central and proclaim with charts and data that you can get all the morals, meaning, purpose and humility that religion has been selling for 10 percent all this time for free without creating superstition corporations with more dedication to holding on to power than to preventing child rape. And the fucking Templeton Foundation paid them to do that. So. Whoever just got fired at the Templeton Foundation in the Vatican, give me a call. I do, we don't have anything right now, nothing permanent, but we could probably find some hedges for you to trim or something while you're looking. Okay? Just let me yeah. know. 
And while we scrounge for odd jobs here at Puzzle and a Thunderstorm HQ, we'll take a quick break for a word from our other sponsor this week, Stamps.com. No, that's terrible. Try again. Fine, fine. Okay, my name is Alan Tornado. Tornado's not a name. Maybe it's a nickname. You don't know. Because he's so fast. That it's, tornadoes hey guys, are fast. You give uh, him a backstory? What, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, we're changing our identities. Oh, no. Did those pictures leak? I thought we destroyed the originals. No, uh, it's not it's not that. Not that. It's, a, it's about all the uh, Patreon promises we made. I mean, swag bags, coloring books, personalized messages. It's all too much, Noah. We're going to have to change our identities and move. Alan Tornado. Pleasure to meet you. Okay, Number one, nobody Natural, is named right? Tornado. Thank you. This is exactly. And two, why don't we just use stamps.com? Wait, what's stamps.com? Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Post Office right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending out thousands of packages a day, stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Wait, how do they do that? Well, you can simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail's ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. Plus, with Stamps.com, you get five cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Wow. So we can send Patreon rewards quickly without breaking the bank. Exactly. We've been using Stamps.com for our Patreon fulfillment for years. It's made sending merch, rewards, and more a breeze. Unless you lower your pledge or your pledge is inactive or you didn't include your home address or you limited your pledge to a dollar, which I can clearly see. It's how I filter the pledge reward. And then you send me a message on Patreon like you're waiting for medicine from the dog in the cartoon. It makes the shipping a breeze. That's true. It does make that, the shipping very part. easy. And, yes. and right now, our listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in scathing. That's stamps.com. Enter scathing. You know what, Noah? I think we can stick around after all. I still want to be Alan Tornado. We know you do, buddy. And we're back. Next up in headlines, in good news tonight. You might have missed it as the banjo belt turned themselves into a live-action roleplay of The Handmaid's Tale this week, but the house you elected in the midterms, the one we told you was super important and that your stupid asshole cousin who didn't vote in 2016 told you wouldn't matter, so he stayed home and got another tribal tattoo while listening to This Mortal Coils, It'll All End in Tears. That <laughs> house, they specific. passed the Equality Act this week, which would add non-discrimination protections to federal law for LGBTQ people, something that doesn't currently exist and really, really needs to. Yeah. Of course, the operative word there is would unfortunately but yeah <laughs> it's terrifying that we have to make an exhaustive list of who gets to have the 14th amendment we're doing that <laughs> yeah, right especially when originalism would say it's uh nobody 
<laughs> the founding fathers didn't want anybody who isn't a landowning white man getting any new rights. That's right. according to the, the philosophy of a bunch of Supreme Court justices. Yeah. What we are saying is Antolin Scalia was a genius. That's where that's our position. <laughs> now, a good thing happening in the world just isn't complete without a Christian losing their goddamn mind. And the Christian this week is community theater production of Mannequin, Michelle Critella. <laughs> Critella is a pediatrician and the executive director of the hate group, the American College of Pediatricians, who you might remember for hoping people confuse them for the real group of doctors, the American Academy of Pediatricians, yes. long enough for them to get a chance to lie to people about gay and trans kids. Okay, that's it. You win, Eli. We are starting the Salivation Army. Get your red buckets and your bells. Okay. okay. You joke, that lawsuit would make us a million dollars of free publicity. Just that's saying. True. So, <laughs> Michelle is not happy about the Equality Act, as you may have guessed, and had the following to say about the bill. Quote, a better name for it is the Death to Christianity Act. Okay. Uh, yes, that, that is okay. That's I like that act. For it. Yeah, yep, absolutely. That's accurate. <laughs> Continuing, that's going to be the umbrella. Christianity, it will cease to be publicly practiced. It'll become against the law. End quote. And one, no, Bill doesn't mention Christianity, but I got to say, if your definition of Christianity is discriminating against gay people, then... I mean, Michelle, you're right, and I'm glad. You're right, yeah. and I'm glad. Is, like, I guess how I'm do saying. you know it's not bad when you're like, look, you can either have our religion or equality. How do you not know you're the bad guy then? I you're wonder who the bad other. guy is. <laughs> and in While My Guitar Gently Veeps News, Vice President and White Power Ranger Mike Pence <laughs> gave a delightfully sad commencement address for the graduating class of Liberty University last week. And much like the education they all got, the speech was mostly lies and flowcharts for explaining your sincerely held hate crimes. Pence spent pretty much his entire time just whining about all the persecution that you're going to face if you're a Christian Jesus. in modern day America, where society is now dominated by the LGBT community and atheists. Unless, of course, you go to Indiana, where Pence set up a... Uh, Little Jim Crow thing for, for lots of those people <laughs> during his time as governor. Okay, I mean, look, I know we talk about this same thing every fucking week, but I still can't even get my head around what they think, right? You're violating my rights to other people aren't having sex. Like, how do you even form that as a fucking <laughs> sentence, let alone a persecution <laughs> complex? Uh, with a little thing known as American gumption, Noah. American <laughs> gumption. <laughs> so... With the help of his wife to sit behind him and ward off all the vagina magic from thousands <laughs> of women in the same enclosed area, Pence explained the Christian white man's burden. And instead of delivering an inspirational message, he just kind of like got sad and gave up. He really did. <laughs> we got to watch the vice president of the United States have this depressing realization about his own life in real time while standing on stage in front of thousands of people. He's just like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Guys, Liberty University. It's not going to work out. There's, <laughs> They're all going to laugh at you. <laughs> You're gonna, fuck, I don't know. You're going to try to see Hamilton and the cast is going to make fun of you. And just, 
Everyone just yells boo all the time. Everywhere you go, you can't get a cheese plate. I'm just, I'm having a bad couple of years. You will too. It's not. Uh, good luck. Throw your caps. I don't know. Throw them. Great. Okay. Okay. Like he might as well curl up behind the podium and take a nap. It's the best. <laughs> just shiver a bit. He's just like, y'all ever hope that sometimes history gets amnesia? Is that just me? I wrote the New York Times editorial. <laughs> Boo! Nobody cares. Goebbels. Okay. You're Goebbels. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. It is okay. You're Goebbels. So, uh, now normally, <laughs> a speaker at a college graduation, they'd give some sort of positive message about the next phase of your lives. Maybe something about engineering students inventing new technology and future doctors creating new medicine, future teachers inspiring the next generation. Maybe some advice about how to accomplish those goals. But um, uh, these kids all went to Liberty University, so they don't get to be those things. Is that the, well, uh, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. Plus, um, impress a rapey Nazi and become his sidekick. It's not really a great story <laughs> yeah. for a speech. Yeah. And Hard that's to make how you could be like accomplished <laughs> his goals. That's what he did. Uh, it's more like a strategy for surviving jail. Um, you know, impressing a rapey Nazi, becoming a sidekick. That's a jail thing. So instead... We got 30 minutes of beautiful self-loathing instead of an inspirational message. It was so much fun. I turned it to an MP4. I jam out to it in my car. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> and in AstroTurf War news tonight, I'm so Eli's excited about nemesis this. <laughs> has returned to do battle once more. Woo! So I was so happy when I saw this story. Longtime listeners to the show might remember the name Kelly Kohlberg. And Eli's neighbors probably know it from the increasingly frustrated voodoo chance he yells over the fires in his backyard. But I feel like I should recap the story for the rest of it. Please do. Thank you. That voodoo doll is intense, by the way. Seriously, Eli, that's crazy. It looks like Sam Kinison got attacked by a cinnamon roll. It's not attractive. So it's accurate is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's Thank an accurate you. Kelly Kullberg vo voodoo doll, but very hard on that. Disturbing for All a right. while. So here's the story. <laughs> Clearly. Way the hell back on episode 173, we covered the story of a Christian author who claimed the writers of the movie God's Not Dead stole the idea from their script from her book. And, and we covered it with a who the fuck would take credit for that shit angle. But Eli was new to the show and his passion hadn't yet waned into the lackadaisical apathy that marks his performance these days. So he decided to buy the book you. that she claimed they'd like lifted the their screenplay from. <laughs> and and present a book report about it. Okay, so just for the record, when I die, I will have not read Finnegan's Wake, but I will have read Finding God at Harvard and the Case for Christ. <laughs> I mean, you could read Finnegan's Wake. Yeah, right? I I literally cannot. <laughs> I literally cannot read some Keats. All right, so <laughs> how dare you? So here's the rub in the book. Kahlberg takes credit for reducing the numbers of suicides that had taken place in NYU in the early to mid-2000s by having a Christian seminar there once. And mm. Eli took issue with this claim because, A, suicide statistics are complex things that move for a number of reasons, many of which are random, and no single suicide prevention measure could have been successful alone, and thus it would be insane for a single person to take credit for them. And, B, um. Eli did that. He's the one that made all those NYU kids not kill themselves with his play. I did. She stole the only good thing I have ever done without Noah and Heath. It matters. So, did you create the program or not, like? Did not you... the point, Heath. Okay. Not, so, isn't it? So anyway, and you never mentioned anything about that A. 
thing that Noah was talking about. <laughs> I was no, there. Never, that didn't come up. You didn't. So well, he didn't. The statistics are complex at all. He didn't yeah. kill himself though. So there's that. That's right. I so, single handedly. <laughs> thank you. Anyway, so <laughs> not too late for me to fuck up their numbers. So Eli bitches about Kelly Kohlberg for a couple dozen episodes, and then she fades from view like the nobody-ass person who pretends she inspired God's Not Dead for a Living is supposed to. And we thought we'd heard the last of her until she resurfaced at the end of a long Snopes investigation that started with the question, gee, who's running all these rapidly anti-Muslim and anti-immigrant Facebook pages? Yeah, and the answer was high-ranking officials in the U.S. government. Well... Yeah. Police officers all over the country, even chiefs and sheriffs and judges all over the country, too. Uh, plus that lady who stole credit for Eli's ever positive, life affirming, sunshiny happiness play. That <laughs> right. Yeah. Eli Come on, guys. This is my jackpot. This is like a 9-11 truther leaning on a door at the memorial and just stumbling into a room filled with Dick Cheney and George W. <laughs> and Thermite. Just pictures. Come on. Give me this. <laughs> All right. So basically, here's the story. Kelly Kohlberg sees uh, news reports about how the Russian troll farms got Trump elected. And she said to herself, man, I've got to get me one of those. So she did. <laughs> and using a who's who of evangelical Trump supporting GOP donors, she created at least two dozen insanely bigoted Facebook groups to expound on the proclivity of Muslim immigrants to rape the Jesus right out of your daughter. And as if she was aware that she might be slipping a notch or two down on Eli's arch nemesis list, her pages also accuse social justice warriors of hijacking the country and working to destroy America with Sharia law. <laughs> <laughs> they do. And on whatever note that winds up having been, we're going to close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Dandy. And when we come back, Lucinda won't be here either. What I love about Joseph Smith is that his defining characteristic above the promiscuity, above the charlatanry, above the deception was his laziness. I mean, sure, he wanted a cult of mentally enslaved sex toys and he had designs on overthrowing the United States government and ruling America as its God King. But not if it was going to be a whole big thing. And nothing that we've seen better exemplifies that than the compendium of shit he meant to finish that is the pearl of great price. <laughs> yeah. It feels like it's all made of post-its that he forgot to number. <laughs> right. Like, he doesn't even know when he wrote it. It's just like connect to dream about skin. <laughs> Whatever. Flaming next chapter. Flaming globes of Sigmund. What? So, yeah, we've already heard Joey's take on Moses's journey. We've heard his script notes on the first few chapters of Genesis. And that's it for the Old Testament. We're done with that one. And now we're going to move on to the New Testament for the one chapter long Joseph Smith translation of one tiny part of the book of Matthew. And of course, because it's Joseph Smith, it's the part where Jesus meant to mention the importance of Joseph Smith. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and of course, suffering alongside us again this time is my lovely wife, Lucinda. Lucinda, welcome back. I don't really care how many rose petals she put between the door and the mic. This is not romantic. Whatever, fine. <laughs> I don't know. Fine. Here. Thought it was the thought that counted. All right. So just to emphasize one more time, we're mostly just going to be talking about chapter 24 of the gospel according to Matthew. But I did read this side by side with the King James Version. So I'll be able to point out all the tweaks that Joey made. 
and we're going to start. I love this so much. We're going to start with the words chapter one, even though there is, again, only one chapter. <laughs> Book one, part one. One. <laughs> one. All right. So we're picking up the action at Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, which is the tail end of the seven woes Betty does about what a bunch of hypocrites the Pharisees are. And as you may recall in the original, Jesus ends this one with a promise to fuck Jerusalem shit up. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry, just to be clear, basically, Joseph Smith rewrites the beware of false messiahs bit of the Bible to add an exception. (laughs) I mean, unless he seems legit and has like three dudes who say they saw his golden plate. Yeah, well, I mean, if he's got more, (laughs) jump in with both feet is what I would say. I am Matthew. (laughs) Sorry, uh, Matthew here again. Last thing. Um, always trust white guys from upstate New York. They are perfect. And don't Google stuff to fact check. Whatever you do. Yeah. No, wicked trust. No doing that. All right. So so Jesus is like, you know, he's, he's like, I'm going to tear your tower down, Pharisees. And then he leaves and all his disciples gather around and they're like, hey, man, you want to show us that cool tower tearing thing you were talking about or are you uh are you just leaving now and, and jesus totally gives the oh they're lucky i didn't tear down their tower thing right like you know the I guy could. who just got beat up explaining how he had to hold back his karate because he would have accidentally <laughs> killed the guy <laughs> right <laughs> yes yeah. if more people knew guy who's lying about holding back his karate is way more on brand for jesus than the golden rule the world <laughs> would be a better place <laughs> So anyway, Jesus trots up to the Mount of Olives. All the disciples come after him and they go, so um, if you should show up in the body of some dude from Palmyra, New York, how would we know for sure? (laughs) So yeah, Uh Jesus does his whole let no man deceive you bit. But to really get all of this, you have to do the side by side reading where you realize things like the fact that he admits the whole part about how you'll know a would be Christ is a deceiver if he starts talking about a bunch of wars and shit and starting those. He just he just plugs that out. He, like, he literally looked at a part of the Bible where Jesus was like, well, look out for guys like X, thought it sounded too similar to him, and left it out. Yeah, You know how Christians okay. think anti-discrimination legislature is always about them? It's like that, but genocide. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the Pearl of Great Price is basically the Bible... As reported by William Barr. Yes, yeah, pretty much. Everybody dies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and from that point on, Jesus delivers the religious equivalent of the shit Noah says on the drive home from a bad trip to Denny's or something. Okay. He he just spends the rest of the chapter going, (laughs) and then I'm going to burn down their houses and woe to the women who suckling babies because I'll be shaking the fucking earth along the way. Okay, but very specific. Why why would I order appetizers if I wanted them with the meal? How would they even be appetizers then? (laughs) No, that waitress seemed like a crier anyway. You were barely yelling. Thank you. That's true. That's true. Something was going to set her off. Oh, help me. Uh, This is also where he warns that Christians will be persecuted. But I also love how quick Jesus gives up on them. You're right. In verse 7, he's like, they'll persecute you. Verse 8, and you bitches will roll over like a sex doll. (laughs) Um, And and then you get the part where Jesus warns that the destruction of Jerusalem will be the cue for the start of the apocalypse. Um, also known as Mike Pompeo's foreign policy platform. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, seriously, one of these days... 
Pompeo's wife is going to leave a pile of her clothes on the floor and we're going to nuke Tehran. Yes. Gonna <laughs> He's going to be like, fuck, rapture's on. Let's get this ball rolling. <laughs> Red team, go. Fuck. <laughs> it's important for Jesus, Prince of Peace, by the way, for you to know that when he comes back, your wicked ass might try to run. But if you so much as go back for your shoes, he'll smite the fuck out of you. Yes. Right. <laughs> and... If you think pro-life, anti-abortion, Jesus is going to make an exception for pregnant women, you're mistaken. Those bitches get it, too. Right, right. Okay, but what about suckling newborns? And the suckling newborns, too. He (laughs) makes that clear. He actually stops in the middle of his rant. Jesus, Prince of Peace, to say, and those pregnant bitches are really going to get it. They're going to be waddling at best. They're going to be easy (laughs) to pick off with my eye lasers. Hey, Joe, why do you think Jesus spent so much time on killing breastfeeding babies? In- <laughs> and just really another thing, specific. Karen, fucking Karen, are you writing? <laughs> I'm writing. <laughs> and then he, he makes it super clear that when he goes off and triggers Armageddon, it's going to be because the Jews pissed him off. OK, OK. This entire verse is Joey's very own. Okay, most of this shit is more or less directly lifted with the, uh, from the King James, but Joey added a whole verse about how it's mostly going to be the Jews' fault when the world ends. Yep. Yeah, I mean, what are they even doing in that neighborhood at that time of day? Dressed like that, <laughs> fucking breastfeeding? Come on. <laughs> God's not a mind reader. They're asking for it. They're asking for that. That's... But despite his frequent additions and omissions, Joey does keep the whole bit about, you know, if any man say unto you, lo, here is the Christ, believe him not. And I have a theory why. In the Bible, it says that the false Messiah will, quote, show great signs and wonders and shall, quote, deceive the very elect. So maybe this was a defense, right? Like he was, Joey was going like, guys, I can barely do the coin from the ear trick. And the smartest guy I deceived was Oliver Cowdery. I can't be a false Messiah. It says so in the Bible. Yeah, he's doing the juggler thing, right? Like, oh, if I didn't drop, you wouldn't know it was hard. But again, with genocide. I mean, genocide (laughs) is the... (laughs) Well, this is also about where Jesus goes full Dr. Seuss and his warnings about false messiahs. He's all like, you will not find me in the desert. You will not find me in the secret chamber. (laughs) You will not find me in a box. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, then he then he comes. Uh, uh, he warns about all the wars and pestilences and earthquakes that will foretell the second coming of the uh, Prince of Peace. Yeah. <laughs> and then we go full apocalypse with the sun going out, the moon not giving off its light, stars falling from the heavens, and then some vague shit about space shaking. <laughs> yeah. Get that. The right. sun's gonna go out, and uh, guys, I know what you're thinking. Don't worry. We just switched day and night and used the moonlight, <laughs> but. But uh, the moon is not going to pick up that slack. That's no, what you're thinking. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Also, I love every chance we get to highlight this bit. Matthew twenty four thirty four in the Bible, and who knows some verse in this one that doesn't quite match up to that because he had to add shit about fuck the Jews. Um, at least two of the people that Jesus is talking to at that moment will still be alive when the apocalypse happens. Yep. I cannot overemphasize that this particular verse was demonstrably wrong before it was written down <laughs> and. That Joe kept it yeah. in his version <laughs> of all the edits. This is the part. Wait a second. What? You- well, there must be two very old guys walking around. <laughs> That's got to be an awkward moment, by the way. You're hanging out with Jesus and the rapture happens. Just like, oh, I'm still here. Cool. No, that's fine. No heads up. <laughs> Just- <laughs> great. No, that's great. Be that way. Uh, So anyway, tribulation, tribulation, tribulation. Then Jesus makes this heroic entrance to the sound of trumpets. 
and he'll kick the ass of all the people kicking the ass of all the people. And then, and I've never understood this moment, okay, in the Bible, after 30 or so verses of explaining exactly what's going to happen in the lead up to Jesus's return, we spend the rest of the chapter and half of the next one talking about how nobody will have any clue when Jesus is going to come back. Okay, I got it. Theory. You know how someone will say something and it, and, and it doesn't register in your brain that you want to respond until it's too late, like someone just works at the end. And I think that's what happened, but with like, there's going to be the two living guys thing. Like he, he rushed right through that and he's, he's right. And he's like, Oh, did, you, did I say two living? <laughs> and by the way, obviously I think <laughs> it's implied. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> right. Any, really. Anytime. Really. Well, and of course we also get the part where Jesus tells us that he might check our side work any day now. Yeah. So it better always be done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, I noticed you guys are putting out cookies and milk for Santa Claus. So, I don't know, maybe a cheese plate or something. <laughs> just when I show up. Deal. Yeah, and just a reminder what a cold-blooded motherfucker Jesus is. The exhortation to look busy with Jesus returns ends with a reminder that if he comes across any drunk assholes, he'll, quote, cut them asunder and appoint them their portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, end quote. You hear that, Heath? Asunder. <laughs> so yeah, one chapter and we milked it for all it was worth and then some. And now we really have a sense of how little we're going to get from this slack-ass book. So I guess we're going to be back next time with the first six sentences of the next chapter <laughs> of The Pearl of Great Price. At least it's been a quick read. Asunder? I'm not complaining. Before we go West, young man or woman or non-binary person, I want to remind all the patrons that this Saturday we're going to be live streaming the pajama party starting at 9 p.m. Eastern time. It's a patron only thing that only patrons get, though. So don't tell all the non-patrons or they'll get super jealous and rush to Patreon so that they can have it, too. Look for more info on Patreon over the next couple of days and also the last couple of days. Sorry, I'm recording early. I'm confusing myself. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptic Ride, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Monday, an even newer episode of our sister show's Hot Friend God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, and an even newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this show would sink below the RSS feed if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for promising to chloroform Eli anytime he offers to drive on this California trip. I need to thank Eli Bosnick for volunteering to chloroform himself if Heath is eating, and I need to thank the lovely and talented Lucinda Delusions for offering to chloroform Eli if Heath is chloroformed. Also want to thank David Gamer for providing this week's Farnsworth quote as Denny Gasson. Incidentally, if you'd like to find out what happened when Denny Gasson met God, you'll find a link to the pilot on the show notes. Also, speaking of which, I need to thank Paige Converse for providing last week's Farnsworth quote. Herc podcast will also be linked on the show notes, and uh, sorry about neglecting you last week. I, I had a lot of names and thanks and stuff to get through, and they broke me. They broke me. I'm a broken man. And on that note, this is the part where usually I would thank a bunch of patrons in a single breath, no matter how many of them there were, but I'm not going to do that this week. And, and it's not because I'm still devastated by my inability to get out in one breath last week. I am still devastated by that, but it's because I'm recording this on last Friday. Uh, we headed to California on Saturday. I, I just, I don't even know who they are yet, but I promise to thank you by name next week in one breath, even though I'll be stacking two weeks of 
patrons together next week. I can do it. I can do it. Back on that horse. Anyway, if you'd like to join the ranks of those as yet unmentioned new patrons, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help but you need your money more than we do, you can also help us a ton by leaving a five-star review on iTunes, liking our Facebook page, and following at PIATPod on Twitter. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robinson handles our social media, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. You notice how many of those paragraphs that I usually would take a breath in, I didn't take a breath in that time? I just, I, like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm just like, I'm trying to make up for it now. It's really kind of pathetic. And feeling like you're riding a sweet, sweet dragon made of orgasms. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm LLC, copyright 2019, all rights reserved.